I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. America's fascists are those people who think Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. What we've really seen is a financial sector that's gotten out of hand, has much too much of a role in this country. What Putin is trying to do and what Trump is trying to do is undermine faith in our government. An absolute typhoon of terror for African Americans. There's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy that people don't feel that they can do very much. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. Ah, yes, the dignity of humanity. That's what it's about, isn't it? Angela Davis is back in the news nearly 50 years after her making national headlines and being prosecuted for three capital felonies, including conspiracy to murder. But she was eventually acquitted of the charges. The real reason for being targeted was that she was an unrepentant and inspirational black militant in a time of great fear of such people and movements. So why is Angela Davis back in the headlines in 2019? Davis, if you may have forgotten, is Professor Emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz. She's also a former director of the university's Feminist Studies Department. Her research interests are, of course, feminism, African-American studies, critical theory, Marxism, how dare she, popular music, social consciousness, and the philosophy and history of punishment and prisons. She co-founded Critical Resistance, an organization working to abolish the prison industrial complex. Fifty years ago, in 1969, she was known as a radical feminist and activist, a member of the Communist Party USA, and an associate of the Black Panther Party, uh, the Board of Regents of the University of California, urged by then-Governor uh, Ronald Reagan, fired her from her post in 1969 because of her membership in the Communist Party. The Board of Regents was censured by the American Association of University Professors for its failure to reappoint her after her teaching contract expired. When a judge ruled the Regents could not fire her solely because of her affiliation with the Communist Party, she resumed her post. And... Following that, after 17-year-old Jonathan Jackson tried to free his brother George in a trial by taking the judge and others hostage at gunpoint, he and the hostages were killed in a police attack. There were allegations that she, Angela Davis, provided the gun used by Jonathan Jackson. She fled from the law and J. Edgar Hoover put her on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. She was eventually captured and put in solitary confinement. Then, across the nation, thousands of people began organizing a movement to gain her release. In New York City, black writers formed a committee called the Black People in Defense of Angela Davis. By February 1971, more than 200 local uh, committees across the U.S. and 67 in foreign countries worked to free Angela Davis from prison. John and Yoko contributed to the campaign with the song Angela, which I'm not going to play. It's not very good. On June 4th, 1972, after 13 hours of deliberations, the all-white jury returned a verdict of not guilty. The fact that she owned the guns used in the crime was judged insufficient to establish her role in the plot. Since that time, she has remained an outspoken activist, which leads us to why she is back in the news in 2019. In late fall 2018, the Birmingham, Alabama Civil Rights Institute 
rescinded its invitation to have Birmingham native Angela Davis honored with its annual Fred L. Shuttlesworth Human Rights Award. Why did this happen? Well, that is the topic of our show today. Our guest is uh, Professor Mark Ellis, who is a professor of history, and he's been writing for decades, teaching and lecturing on Jewish identity, the Holocaust, Israel, Palestine, the prophetic and global issues of justice, peace, and reconciliation. During this time, Professor Ellis was professor of religion, culture, and society studies and director of the Institute for Justice and Peace at the Mary Knoll School of Theology and university professor of Jewish studies, professor of history, and director of the Center for Jewish Studies at Baylor University. He has written and edited more than 25 books, including Toward a Jewish Theology of Liberation, now in its third edition, Unholy Alliance, Religion and Atrocity in Our Time, The Future of the Prophetic, and most recently, Finding Our Voice, Embodying the Prophetic and Other Misadventures. Professor Mark Ellis has lectured around the world and has visiting positions at Harvard University and the University of London, among others. His work has been translated into 10 languages, including Arabic, Beyond Innocence, and Redemption, Confronting the Holocaust in Israeli Power a new volume honoring Professor Ellis' uh, scholarship in the New Diaspora, The Practices of the Intellectual in Exile, will be published this year. Before his uh, death, Edward Said wrote of Professor Ellis, Mark Ellis is a deeply thoughtful and courageous mind, an intellectual who has broken the death hold of mindless tradition and unreflective cliché to produce a superb account of post-Holocaust understanding with a particular reference to the Palestinian people and the moral obligation of Israeli and diaspora Jews. Professor Said says he is to be listened to with respect and admiration. So what we're talking about here is racism, Angela Davis, and uh, the state of Judaism and Zionism in America. Long introduction. Thank you for uh, sticking with us, Professor Mark Ellis, and thanks for being with us today. Glad to be here. Well, he writes uh, in an article on on, uh, Manda Weiss, uh, though initially local, the drama has taken on a heightened dimension because it involves one of the last living icons of the civil rights and black power era, Angela Davis. And as Ellis says, the whole brouhaha relates to what he calls the Jewish Civil War over what, what it means to be Jewish in our time. And that's what we're going to focus on. The decision to disinvite her is all about perceived strains in the traditional black-Jewish alliance. Now, Angela Davis herself recognized that, in her words, Jews were the first white people to speak up in the civil rights era to speak against racism, end of quote. Of course, because of a common history of persecution and discrimination— Just as American Jews today are in the lead for welcoming refugees in the face of right-wing racist discrimination, because Jews themselves in our history were desperate refugees. But the stumbling block here is the question of current policies by the state of Israel relative to Palestinian rights. The trigger for the current controversy is her support for BDS, boycott, divest, and sanction. What do we know, Professor Ellis, of how and why the decision was made by the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute to withdraw their invitation to Angela Davis? What do we know of the organization and how they're funded? Well, 
Uh, it's a little bit murky, and people are still uh, trying to figure it out. But it involves, among others, uh, the local Jewish community or parts of it uh, related to the Holocaust Center there. Uh, maybe some of their allies, uh, people who support the center and who support Israel, or maybe uh, Christians uh, of liberal background, also evangelical Christians. So uh, there was pressure uh, put on uh, Civil Rights Institute, and they're funded uh, through government, through local government, through grants, uh, through local businesses, uh, uh, some probably from the Jewish community as well. So uh, all of these uh, centers, including uh, the memorialization of the civil rights movement, which is increasing, uh, are funded through diverse funding streams, but are dependent on being considered civilized and correct in their postures, including on Jewish issues. And we uh, Jews, I'm Jewish myself, in case maybe some people don't know, Cohen is a Jewish name. I know that shocks some people. You'd be surprised. Uh, but, you know, we do, we, we were uh, in, in solidarity in the civil rights era when other white people wouldn't speak out. And, you know, it's a question of international uh, civil rights, human rights, and internationalizing the issue. And, and, you know, some people have said that, oh, it's not, you know, your issue. Palestinian rights are not the issue for black leaders. But eh, a lot of people argue, and I, I can't help but think that Angela Davis argues that it is all part and parcel of the same thing. Uh, discrimination based on uh, religion, based on ethnicity, and frankly, skin color. Now, it has been said that as you point out, Jews and non-Jews who support boycott, divest, and sanctions against Israeli occupation policies are either self-hating Jews or are anti-Semitic. End of your quote. Further, you say, the Jewish establishment sees Angela Davis as an enemy. Jews of conscience see her as an ally. Please say more about this. Well, first we have to go back to your description of Jewish support for civil rights. Uh, quite correct but much more complicated. Uh, and that is one of the reasons why there's been strains in the black Jewish alliance. Jews did come out in general for civil rights for a variety of reasons, one ethical, but also Jews wanted a more open society for Jews, uh, which is fine. Uh, but pretty soon, uh, black uh, leaders, uh, as the civil rights movement stalled, as King was assassinated, Malcolm X was assassinated, uh, the rise of black power, including uh, Angela Davis, uh, the Black Jewish Alliance uh, was strained because some Jews felt that blacks wanted too much, and some blacks felt that Jews uh, didn't give up enough. So it's a much more complicated historical relationship, uh, which is now coming out again. Uh, and a lot of it had to do uh, with the disciplining of black leadership by the Jewish community in regard to their commentary on Israel-Palestine. This also goes back. Uh, so uh, many uh, in the Jewish establishment didn't want and don't want uh, blacks who often identify with Palestinians as having a similar experience that they have in the United States. Uh, Jewish community leaders have too often said, you know, you have no business in the Middle East. Uh, you're not qualified to discuss it. 
best for you to stick to civil rights no. in the United States. But many black leaders, including Angela Davis, say, no, uh, we will speak on whatever issue we want. And we see this as related yes. to our struggle, too. Yes. And even Martin Luther King, who it's been speculated, maybe some of the anger that uh, did him in was related to the fact that he, right before his death, was talking about linking up with the oppressed people of Vietnam as being part of the same struggle. And a lot of people felt, wait, you're out of your league here. You ought to be talking just about American civil rights. And it seems kind of similar, I, I have to say. So the Jewish... Yes, the, I think there is a, a sense uh, in America, not just among the Jewish establishment, about, right, but right. about uh, by others, too, that blacks can speak about blacks. Uh, but not about other things. Uh, we don't restrict, uh, as Jews, we don't restrict ourselves. Uh, whites in general don't uh, restrict themselves. But for some reason, there's a sense that uh, African Americans uh, have only one issue and have only one ability to speak. Oof. Well, that sounds like a little bit of racism, quite frankly. At least it does to me. You know, people can yes. speak about other things. And, and oppression, you know, there's oppression around the world. And, you know, Martin Luther King, I think his analysis was correct in linking up with the oppressed people of Vietnam. I mean, they were colonialists. The French controlled them and treated them as second or third class citizens. And we were fighting for that side as well. So why wouldn't he? But uh, what about this? I'm sure you've heard it, too, that if you dare criticize the state of Israel, you're either a self-hating Jew or anti-Semitic. Yeah, I think that is uh, something that's way behind the times uh, and is also a way to discipline dissent, both within Israel among Jews right. uh, and Jews outside of Israel and those uh, Christians and Muslims and others, secular folks, who see what Israel is doing to Palestinians as wrong, wrong, wrong. Yes. Uh, the Jewish community, at least its establishment, uh, is striking very, very hard in saying that, and has for a long time, that any discussion of Israel as abusing civil uh, civil rights of Palestinians right. is somehow against Judaism, Jewish history, wants to destroy Israel, therefore uh, is anti-Semitic. Yeah, I, I've been called a self-hating Jew before, and that does bother me quite a bit because I like being Jewish. I'm proud of our history of standing up for ethics. That's that's part of our identity. And the state of, you know, Zionism is not Judaism. They're two separate things. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. Uh, the show is called Keeping Democracy Alive. And we're talking with uh, Professor Mark Ellis about an article he's written on Mondawice, which is an independent website devoted to informing readers about developments in Israel, Palestine, and related U.S. foreign policy. And we're talking about Angela Davis and, and a, a, uh, an award. She was disinvited from getting a human rights award uh, largely because of her position in support of Palestinian rights. Now, as you say, you know, there's the Jewish establishment and Jews of conscience. And, and I'd like to read a bit from, uh, there's this group called Jewish Voice for Peace. Uh, some might include them as self-hating Jews. They wrote this letter in support of Angela Davis. 
Jewish Voice for Peace calls on the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute to rescind their cancellation. Angela Davis is a tireless advocate for the human rights of all people. She's a leading civil rights activist and a renowned scholar. She's eminently qualified to receive the Shuttlesworth Human Rights Awards. The canceling of this award by the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute is unjust, insulting, and ill-conceived, especially because it is likely premised on Professor Davis' long-standing support for Palestinian human rights. The decision seems to stem from a misinformed view that to advocate for Palestinian human rights is somehow offensive to the Jewish community. It goes on to say, as a Jewish organization dedicated to justice, dignity, and equality for all people in Palestine, Israel, we share Professor Davis' visionary commitment to the indivisibility of justice. I like that phrase, the indivisibility of justice, and believe we are all responsible for pursuing social justice for all human beings without exception, which includes pursuing social justice for Palestinians, uh, and and she's and the letter goes on to say, Professor Davis, activist and scholar of life, epitomizes the spirit and intention of this award, and we call upon the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute to honor Professor Davis for the totality of her work. Jewish Voice for Peace, are they anti-Semitic? Are they self-hating Jews? Your thoughts, Professor Ellis? No, not at all. In fact, they're very strongly Jewish and uh, are trying to uh, embrace and embody the Jewish ethical tradition uh, as it wanes. Uh, in my senses, that that tradition is on the ropes or dead because of what Israel uh, has done and is doing to the Palestinian people, but also enabled uh, by the Jewish establishment in the United States with their allies, including uh, liberal Christians often and Christian evangelicals. So. Uh, they're struggling to uh, say, you know, what does it mean to be Jewish, to oppress another people? Uh, this doesn't make sense to them, and uh, certainly doesn't make sense to me. Yes, I know. There's there's a group, uh, I, I'm not sure the title, Hias, I think it is. It's a, a Jewish organization which is in support of uh, refugees and uh, sanctuary for refugees. And basically what it says is something about uh, that we support refugee rights. We did it because we were the refugees. We were in need of help. And now we do it because it's going on and because we understand that it happened to us as well. Now, critics of... Right, but there's a... There, uh, excuse me. There's a, there's a difference, though, between rec, uh, re- welcoming refugees, which Jews have, and which that society, that organization does, and often excluding... Uh, the refugees uh, that uh, we have caused among Palestinians. I mean, there's an uh, entire Palestinian diaspora, yes, which was essentially caused by the creation uh, of Israel and its policies since. So uh, welcoming Vietnamese refugees and other refugees from Africa, very, very important. But that's a no-brainer for the Jewish community. The real question, and I would say in some ways the only question, is what are we going to do about the uh, situation that we control? Uh, in the United States, we're one among many, and we're a small minority, and we have our responsibilities here. But Israel is supposed to be a Jewish uh, a country and a Jewish uh, place, and what are we doing there? That's, uh, that's our question. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And, and as you look at, uh, I know this is a little bit off the subject, but not so much. The refugees that are coming here from Central America, 
Well, golly gee, why are they coming here? Why are they putting their families at such risk to walk a thousand miles or so? Well, what made them refugees? What made it such a bad situation? Largely U.S. support for terrible military, far, you know, dictatorships that are brutal, training of death squads. That was done by the United States. It has happened in, in Honduras, in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, uh, Guatemala, for sure. And, you know, and not, to not do something about this, to not take responsibility, I think, as you're describing with regard to the Palestinians in uh, the divided land of Palestine-Israel, it's, it's, you're right, it's ignoring the realities here. And that's probably why Angela Davis has always been so dangerous, is that she talks about these real subjects of, of human rights and human dignity. There's another point here, though. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, and I started writing about this in my Jewish Theology of Liberation in the 1980s, uh, Israel is also involved in many of these situations, like in Central America. Yes. Uh, we just had a visit from uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu to Brazil, oh, welcoming okay. their new leader or, or dictator. Oh, I'm not sure what to call him. Uh, so Israel is uh, involved in uh, issues way beyond uh, Palestinian, although that's a central issue, yeah. uh, in helping to train uh, authoritarian forces, to uh, give them security, to provide arms. Uh, so Israel is involved in um, these issues, even on our border, uh, and uh, that's something that uh, the Jewish establishment doesn't talk about, no. but we need to face. Absolutely, and I know uh, uh, American police departments were being trained by uh, Jewish military uh, police people. And correct, and this is another this is another link that African Americans and Jews of conscience true uh, see with this uh, civil rights and Black Jewish alliance. Where are we as Jews really? Well, we're all over the place, including <laughs> supporting civil rights, but uh, it's a little more complicated. Of course it is, and uh, you know the, the Jews are certainly not united. There's the old saying: if you get four Jews together, you get five different opinions, and that's okay. You know we disagree, and but I think at our basis, this is just my opinion. Being for ethics and for justice is what we are about, and you can call us Jews of conscience, uh, anti-establishment Jews. But there again, there's there's Israel, which is a highly militaristic, clearly racist state. I mean, they they are apartheid. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the bishop uh, in South Africa, whose name escapes me right now, has said that uh, he's seen apartheid, and it is apartheid, not just you know like they had in South Africa, but it is. There are separate roads, uh, different levels of rights for people in Israel. And so this is coming up here. Maybe, you know, Angela Davis caused some good political change in the late 60s, early 70s. Maybe this situation right now will end up uh, causing people to think about it and, uh, and make some changes. Now, critics of Angela Davis and the movement for Palestinian rights argue that, quote, it is troubling, the movement for Palestinian rights is troubling because it targets Jewish people exclusively. Comments on that, please, Professor Ellis. Well, it, it, it targets Israel for its abuses, and there are all sorts of reasons why people 
are interested in Israel and Palestine. Uh, sometimes uh, it's not for the right reason. But in my experience, uh, most of it is for the right reason. And as a Jew, I certainly don't apologize for focusing on Jewish life, uh, including in Israel. Uh, but most of the movement uh, for BDS is a very broad-based movement uh, that seeks justice for Palestinians. It does not seek to destroy Jews or demonize Jews. Uh, it's asking the Jewish community a very important question. Uh, who are we called to be? So, of course, there's anti-Semitism in the world. Uh, mostly it's ambivalence toward Jews. That's found everywhere. Uh, but uh, my experience is that most people who work in these movements, including Palestinians, by the way, are not anti-Jewish or anti-Semitic. Uh, it's a question of justice, of land, of rights, of dignity. Uh, and um, uh, Jews of conscience, for, for sure, including Jewish Voice for Peace, uh, are not anti-Semitic or self-hating. They want what's right and good for everyone, including for Jews. And I've I've become of the opinion lately that, you know, as we have seen a rise in anti-Semitism around the world, my take is, and this is just my interpretation, is that when people look at, people around the world look at what the state of Israel has been doing and their, you know, clear racism against Palestinians and against Arabs uh, and and equates that with Judaism, well, what a surprise, people become anti-Semitic. And, you know, if, if Judaism and, and Zionism, you know, support for Jewish right to uh, return uh, in, in Israel and to own Israel is not, they're not the same thing. But when people equate the two, I happen to think that, that a lot of the policies of this right-wing Netanyahu government uh, are worsening things and exacerbating terribly uh, anti-Jewish sentiment around the world because people think it's one and the same. And this situation with Angela Davis, I think, presents us Jews with an opportunity to perhaps address that. Your thoughts? I agree with that, although Netanyahu uh, seems to be and is certainly a huge problem now and maybe uh, within his own government a moderate Oh my! Uh, yes, the situation that's true. is much yeah. more long-standing and much more complex. Uh, there's a what I consider to be a permanent occupation of Palestine that will not change in any significant way. Uh, Israel does control uh, the Palestinians uh, from uh, Tel Aviv to the Jordan River and Gaza is another story completely. Oh, Gaza! Yeah. Uh, so it's not just Netanyahu. A liberal government, if it were to come into uh, power in Israel uh, would uh, loosen some of the uh, draconian measures, but essentially we're in a permanent occupation. So the situation uh, is much worse uh, than Netanyahu right. uh, and is much more longstanding, and therefore our issue is much more difficult. Um, but, uh, yeah, ambivalence towards Jews is... Uh, within Christianity, within, uh, within Islam, within modernity. That's going to be there. Right. The question for Jews is, what do we do with that ambivalence? The question for others is also, what do they do with that ambivalence? Uh, but Israel makes the, the question uh, more difficult and more dire yeah. 
Um, and uh, it's not going to be disappearing or changing when Netanyahu uh, leaves. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid you're right about that. There's so many different parties there. And uh, when you said that he may be considered, Netanyahu may be considered a moderate within Israel, that is some scary stuff. But yeah. within his own government, Netanyahu is trying to hold together uh, some that are more progressive than him and some that are far to the right of him. I would consider him a moderate within his own government. Yikes! Uh, and uh, and the liberal-leaning uh, uh, candidates that would run against him uh, are to the left of him a bit. A bit. But the situation would not change dramatically uh, at all. Yeah, Gaza is going to continue to be a, the world's largest open-air prison, as it's been called. Uh, different roads throughout the West Bank. Uh, yeah, it's it goes well beyond. You're right, and it's it is a problem for the diaspora. We Jews spread around the world. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here on keeping democracy alive. Our guest today is Professor Mark Ellis, who's written in Mondawise about uh, the Angela Davis situation down in Birmingham, Alabama. What do we know about what is going on now? What the status is of that situation? Uh, she's she was invited to receive an honor, a human rights award, then disinvited. Where where does it stand right now? Do you know? Yes, the uh, Birmingham Committee for Truth and Reconciliation uh, is having on the same day it was planned to honor her an honoring event with her. Uh, so that is going to not only go on, but become massively bigger yeah. uh, than it would have been. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, the, the Jewish establishment with its allies don't seem to understand uh, the predicament that we are in as Jews and Israel is in, uh, and uh, what people are thinking beyond uh, their own mind. So, yeah, now it's going to become much bigger. I believe it's February 7th. Uh, there's going to be another event, and um, uh, it's going to be big. Uh, so, uh, no, February 16th, I believe, yeah. So uh, uh, that's what's happening, and there's, of course, Jewish groups in Birmingham and elsewhere are planning to be part of that uh, coalition as well. Oh, good. And, of course, the truth and reconciliation uh, aspect is very interesting because uh, formed uh, originally for truth and reconciliation for the horrors against African Americans, uh, can we Jews, uh, and I suggest in my article, can we Jews say, look, we have to go through that truth and reconciliation too with regard to what we have been doing and are doing to Palestinians? Oh, for sure. There are people who... <laughs> prefer to sweep old problems under the rug. Uh, certainly in South Africa and in Spain, it's a big deal. They want to forget about Franco and just bury it and not learn the important lessons from, you know, fascist uh, Francoism. Uh, that, that is not generally a good idea. And you're right. I mean, you know, uh, back, rea you know, reaction against such things uh, can often be a lot bigger. And, you know, calling attention to these issues makes it uh, much more important and much more uh, visible. I haven't read anything about APAC, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee, in this issue. Have they laid low on this or have they taken a position on this? Do you know, Professor Ellis? 
I do not know. I have not seen anything on that, so I am not yeah. sure. Well, they'd probably be smart to just uh, lay low and not say anything about it and let others take the hits on it. You know, there but, are... But, but, Go ahead. But here's the other point, I think, too. On the left, on the Jewish left, there have been groups, including uh, rabbinical assemblies, assemblies uh, weighing in. But most of them are weighing in that uh, Angela Davis deserves a reward, uh, an award, and uh-huh. uh, Jews should stay out of it. But that's really not the issue. Uh, as I say in my uh, column, she has so many awards, she probably can't remember all of them. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Her issue is Palestine. And so uh, the, the issue is not whether she, as an icon of the civil rights and black power movement, should be awarded uh, uh, what she deserves. That's a no-brainer. The question is Palestine. And this is the Jewish Civil War uh, that I've written about, too, that uh, it was for many years a question for Jews about Israel. But now it's actually about Palestine. Uh, it shifted. Uh, the situation is so much worse that we're not talking about reforms within Israel anymore. That's not going to happen or will not be sufficient for Palestinian freedom. We're, we're in a new new uh, playing field, uh, and uh, this uh, retrogressive attack on black leadership uh, is just going to raise the issue higher. Uh, but another issue I have in the column has to do with the memorialization of the civil rights movement, which is putting African Americans in a very interesting position of both highlighting their suffering, which they should, and getting it in the public view, which they should. But then, because of the needs for funding, uh, for being seen as proper pillars of community and stuff, uh, they're constrained in what they say about black freedom and uh, what they say about Jewish attempts to discipline them. Uh, so it's oh, not wow, just a question of Jews going uh, trying to discipline others. It's a question now about African Americans memorializing their suffering and it becoming a tourist industry in the South, by the way. Uh, what are their constraints now about the future of African Americans and the movements that are needed, if they're going to be seen as now sort of the white pillars of the community, say in Birmingham and elsewhere. It's a complicated situation. Uh, history always is. Myth is so much easier than history. Oh, just so much easier. And you're right, it's a question of, of memory, and memory is powerful. You know, how things are remembered uh, you know, what we remember or don't specifically about our experience in Vietnam, it's a big deal, and it affects us uh, today. Um, and, so there are, of course, full-throated, Israel-can-do-no-wrong supporters of that state, and they often refer to the Nazi Holocaust and ask, does Israel not have a right to defend itself, especially in the face of the Holocaust, which did happen in Europe? Many say the Palestinians intend to destroy the state of Israel, which, of course, raises those old fears. You ask, does the Holocaust demand of Jews and others a solidarity toward all those who are suffering, including and especially the Palestinian people? Or is the Holocaust to be used as a blunt instrument by the Jewish community to discipline 
those who question Jewish and Israeli abuses of power. Interesting stuff. Talk more about that, if you would, please. Yes, the Holocaust, and and this also has to do with memorialization of the Holocaust. Uh, For instance, in the United States, the Holocaust uh, Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., but also in Birmingham. What how does the Holocaust function? Not the reality of the Holocaust, that's for sure, and it's beyond belief, but uh, how does that memory uh, function uh, for Jews and in the broader public uh, to further justice, solidarity, or to constrain it? So the Holocaust is used uh, to say everyone should be treated fairly and well, and nothing should happen like this again to anyone. But it doesn't seem to apply to the Palestinians. And uh, this is the, the, the way that we need to begin thinking uh, in a new way that say what we've done, too, is wrong. It does, the Holocaust can be used as uh, a way of saying Jews can do no wrong. Yes. We need to be empowered. We need to have power. No one should talk to us about our power. We do what we need to do or what we want to do. Okay. Understood. But there are many Jews and others, including Palestinians, who say, what are you doing with this memory? (laughs) You're hitting us over the head with this memory, which I believe actually trivializes the Holocaust. So uh, we have this sense of memorialization of uh, African-American suffering finally coming into view, but it becomes complicated. We've had this history now of memorializing the Holocaust, which was very important, and I support. But now, what are we doing with it? That's the question. What do we do with this memory? Do we reach out to others, including and especially the Palestinian people? Or do we say, we have a right to power, don't lecture us? And one of the things that are said that has been said to black leaders, maybe including Angela Davis, is don't lecture us. And she's saying in her own way, I have to. With other Jews, because what you are doing is wrong. This is different than the myth of Jewish conspiracy, and uh, even Alice Walker evidently is into this. Uh, this What's what's happening now is, you know, anti-Semites have this conspiracy about Jews. Jews are trying to control this. Jews are trying to control that. What Angela Davis is saying, concretely, in this instance, what you're doing is wrong. And Jews have a very hard time sorting out the conspiracy theory against us and the reality. So instead of saying, hey, look, I know you're not going for the anti-Semitic conspiracy, I know what we're doing is wrong. We have to correct it. We tend to say, stop talking about it. You have no right. Right. Because of the Holocaust and using the Holocaust uh, way more, frankly, than I think it should be to justify anything and everything Israel does, uh, you know, saying, well, look, you know, people say, well, look what happened. Jews have a right to defend themselves and have to defend themselves. Look what happened. And therefore, any criticism of any policy that can be pictured as defense, even though, you know, can be very uh, militarily offensive, uh, is, is just not okay, just to not allow that. And, and to me... And w- 
Go ahead. And what's interesting uh, is that BDS is a non-violent yes. uh, approach to justice. So Jews do have a right to defend themselves. African Americans have a right to defend themselves. Muslims have... Everybody has a right to defend themselves. But you can't call an offense that you're creating against others a need for defense. And here we have the Palestinians with Jews of conscience and others, including Angela Davis, saying, here's a nonviolent way, like in South Africa, to disarm injustice and bring about truth and reconciliation and a new way of living together. And those in the Jewish establishment are saying, absolutely not, this is an attempt to destroy us. And people ask themselves, what are they talking about? What is their vision of the world? Of Jews in the United States have enough power to defend ourselves. Yes. Why are they saying everybody is out to destroy us? Especially nonviolent tactics for an oppressed people who just want to live on their land and have an ordinary decent life like everybody else. Yes, and clearly, clearly BDS is extremely troubling to Israel can do no wrong uh, <coughs> supporters. It's working. It is having its effect. Not as Martin Luther King knew, nonviolent uh, action, you know, aggressive, uh, uh, confrontative action, civil disobedience is very effective. It's far more effective than any military uh, weapons. It's it's the most powerful weapon that there is, I think. And certainly... Well, it also, it also interrupts the narrative, and this, I think, is what is most disturbing to parts of the Jewish establishment. The narrative that we have had as Jews uh, about Israel is that Israel is innocent in its suffering, the Holocaust, and in its empowerment, so that Jews are innocent. But it turns out that Jews also do things that are wrong. Imagine. <laughs> and in the creation of Israel, there was an ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, which created the Palestinian diaspora, and that has continued in the occupation. Yes. And Gaza, again, uh, is an unbelievable situation yeah. enforced by Israel. By the way, with supports from parts of the Arab world, too. This is another complication. Mm, true. But... BDS says, not mythically, not in terms of Jewish conspiracy, but concretely, you, Israeli Jews, with the help of the Jewish establishments in different parts of the world, are doing something concretely wrong. Let's stop that. You know, I remember during the Vietnam War when a lot of us, including myself, were critical of our policy in Vietnam, you know, some people said, you can't do that because, you know, we're right, we're good. But, you know, we were not anti-American. I think we were very, very pro-American. And the policy our leaders had in Vietnam was very, very antithetical to what a lot of us believed America was based on. Of course, we veered from that a few times in history. But uh, I was starting to say that fear... FDR recognized the power of fear. Fear is historically perhaps the most powerful element used in politics. 
the powerful pro-Israel lobby in Washington has what you call a, a fear that, quote, level-headed, that a level-headed, justice-oriented, nonviolent critique of Israeli power, shorn of anti-Semitism, the very type Angela Davis offers, will bring the state of Israel to its knees. There's a real fear of that. Comments, please. Well, it's interesting, too. I, I've heard Angela Davis speak uh, maybe five or ten times uh, through YouTube and others. I haven't met her personally, but she is not a firebrand. Her, and reading her writing, uh, she's a very logical, a very studied uh, of writer and speaker. She's a professor. Uh, yeah. She's not whipping up. Jew hatred or Israeli hatred or any kind of hatred. Uh, so the fear is, and BDS is also very level-headed and very uh, constructive uh, and uh, is supported in many places around the world. But we, uh, as Jews, especially some Jews in the establishment and elsewhere, think that every critique of Jewish power is an assault on us. And, of course, Jews have not had power as a collective uh, for so long. It's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around the fact that we are now powerful. And when you have power, you can be critiqued for that power, and it isn't necessarily uh, anti-Jewish at all. It may actually be very pro-Jewish, and I have a feeling that Angela Davis is quite pro-Jewish, in terms of our ethical tradition, and many of these African-American leaders uh, were heavily influenced by uh, uh, prophetic Jews uh, and uh, were helped along in terms of their own careers. I've been reading James Baldwin biographies uh, recently, revisiting him, and many of his major works were suggested by or shepherded through by Jews. So... uh, I consider Angela Davis pro-Jewish. Interesting. I consider James Baldwin, is, in his critique of Jewish power, as pro-Jewish. And many Jews of conscience feel that way, and including, of course, Edward Said, the great Palestinian uh, writer and commentator, uh, who commented on my writing, yes, too. Very nicely. Um, uh, Said was, and I knew him personally, as uh, other Jews of conscience did, very, very warm to Jews, very pro-Jewish, wanting the best for Jews, and of course wanting the best for Palestinians as well. And again, if you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. We are on Keeping Democracy Live, which is a group effort. It's a heavy lift, and democracy uh, matters everywhere. Justice matters everywhere. We're talking about Angela Davis being... Uh, an award that was about to be given her to her taken away because she is critical of the state of Israel and supporting Palestinian rights, which, you know, she has every right to do. Uh, I, I got to ask about this. Some of the most vocal and focused pro-Zionist, pro-Israel can do no wrong, are in this country right-wing fundamentalist Christians. Where, where do they fit in in the situation? My sense is they don't really care about Judaism, they care about uh, something in their prophecy or whatever. I mean, wh- where, where, does they f- where do they fit in in this whole political uh, struggle? 
Well, Christian evangelicals, and not all of them, by the way, because there are some sure. very progressive sure. Christian evangelicals on uh, Israel and Palestine, but many yes. Yes. Uh, see Israel as the fulfillment of uh, prophecy, uh, and that the return of Jews to the land of Israel is part of the last days, although Jews might suffer a lot. It's, it's a complicated, there are different strands of it. But I would consider much of that to be, in a sense, anti-Jewish. But I want to make uh, a point here that I think is left out uh, okay, often. Good. The narrative for Israel's innocence and the narrative of Christian support for Israel uh, has been Christian evangelical historically to some extent. But in the United States especially, it's been liberal Christians who see Israel as the vehicle for their redemption from the sin of anti-Semitism. That is, ah, interesting. Uh, Christ- Christians who woke up after the Holocaust and said, you know, oh my God, what does our theology and our sense of Jews led us to? Many of them said, oh no, we have to be in solidarity with Jews. And the Jewish community said, that solidarity is Israel. And this is what I have written about in terms of the what I call the interfaith ecumenical deal, which began as a dialogue between Christians and Jews after the Holocaust, a very important dialogue where Jews said to Christians, hey, get off our backs. We are real people. We have our own destiny. And many Christians said, you know what? You're right. We're going to clean up our theology. And the Jewish establishment in the dialogue said, okay, then support Israel. And many Christians did for that reason. (laughs) <laughs> but then over time, when Christians began to see, and more Jews began to see, that Israel was much more complicated, uh, the Jewish establishment tried to enforce its view that if you didn't support Israel, you were anti-Semitic. Right. And that's when this dialogue, the interfaith ecumenical dialogue, became what I call the interfaith ecumenical deal, which Jews said to Christians, you support us, you clean up your tradition, you be silent about Israel and what it's doing to Palestinians. And over the last decade or so, more and more Christians have said, I can't be silent, that we, right. we have to right. speak. And that's been a, a big disturbance in the Jewish-Christian alliance, as it were. Uh, so I don't want to lay everything on Christian evangelicals. And, of course, there's also American and European support for Israel yes. that has a moral component in reference to the Holocaust, but also has a strategic component about armaments, about the Middle East, about oil. So the support for Israel is much more than just Jews wanting everyone to support Israel. It also is a part of American foreign policy, and therefore the interfaith ecumenical deal has also become a political deal. And that's why when Birmingham African-Americans say, we want to speak on Israel and the Palestinians, Jews in Birmingham and elsewhere can say, no, if you say that, you are anti-Semitic, and you are pulling the political plug on Israel, which might lead to its destruction. So there's a lot of stuff there. I don't want to place it all on the shoulders of Christian evangelicals. Of course not. Jew, you know, Jews are divided, evangelicals are divided, everybody's divided. But uh, there is a bill in Congress, S-1, 
coming from the Senate, the Combating BDS Act, which pits the pro-Israel establishment against traditional free speech. Uh, Democrats are traditionally rather strongly pro-free speech. I I get a good sense that this bill is not going to pass, but but, but what do you know about this? Well, it hasn't passed, but again, this is an idea. You know, when you have, for instance, we're already having presidential campaign gearing up 2020. Oh, yeah. And you look at these candidates who are very progressive on the Democratic side who have announced uh, several women and others uh, getting in. Uh, they're all going to be pro-Israel. Yes. Uh, so uh, we need to understand this in a political sense, not just a religious sense, as part of the deal within America. If you're critical of Israel, and that includes Bernie Sanders, who has been a bit critical when he was pushed, you're seen as doing something dirty, wrong, uncivilized. Uh, and so, you know, Bernie Sanders is Jewish, obviously, and uh, other of the candidates are not Christian evangelical who have announced so far. Right. But they're going to be very strong on Israel. Hillary Clinton uh, was very strong on Israel. Very pro-Israel, yeah. Well, she's very hawkish on everything. <laughs> yeah, just... Well, that's... <laughs> but especially on Israel... Because she, as these other candidates, want Jewish establishment support. Yes. Not only money. Yes. They also don't want to be called out as veering toward anti-Semitism. That's oh, why the BDS goodness. thing is big in the American political system. Because if the senators and Congress people don't support uh, this legislation or are too critical of Israel, they're going to be accused of being anti-Semitic. I so know. It's, Ugh, I hate that reductionist stuff. It's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. But it's reality. It's political reality. And it certainly will be interesting to see who, if any of the major candidates, dare to be at all critical of the state of Israel's policies. Um, a law of physics often applies to politics. Not always. And this particular law is to every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The effort to ban Angela Davis from speaking and from being honored, any evidence it may be backfiring and uh, actually helping Angela Davis's uh, resurgence as, as an important leader? No question. Uh, first of all, she's been recognized. She's a black icon. Forget yes, it. That's, yes. that's, that's solidified. Uh, but this is now raising her profile again, uh, and she is carrying uh, this weight in a very uh, uh, good way. Yes. Uh, she's talked about the diversity of even the Birmingham Jewish community. Uh, she does not want Jews to be characterized as against her, or you know. So she's she's handling it, in my view, very well, and in the way she has handled other things uh, that have come her way. Uh, but yes. Uh, this is now a huge event, uh, what would have been just uh, a no-brainer. Yeah, and it's uh, having some interesting results. So what can people do if they're listening to this, if they want to do something about this uh, relative to Angela Davis and the issue in general? That's one thing. Well, it's, very, it's, it's, it's something very important uh, and to be argued about uh, endlessly. Yeah, of but course. people have to keep pushing for Palestinian freedom, 
and they have to be keep pushing for Jews to be uh, closer to our ethical tradition uh, and to say that it is not a religious issue, it's a political issue. It has to do with Palestinians being oppressed, their land being taken, their human rights being abused, their political rights being denied. Uh, and uh, this is not an assault on Jews and Jewish history or Judaism. Uh, we just have to keep uh, pressing the facts of the case and separating it from the conspiracy theories mm -hmm. about Jews. But because of this history, it's very, very, very difficult. It is. Well, if people want to read more of your works, there's Mondo Weiss, M-O-N-D-O-W-E-I-S-S. -S. Any other sources on that Internet thingy? Well, it's mondoweiss.net, uh, uh, just uh, to okay. say. Uh, and I have uh, written book after book after book, which are on Amazon and elsewhere, and my new book uh, addresses some of this. So uh, I have a lot uh, out there, and there are, of course, other Jews of conscience writing as well. So uh, there's plenty of uh, information and viewpoints, because I think, especially for this issue, uh, we need to have a viewpoint where we can begin to discuss these concrete issues rather than simply starting with the concrete because of the history of anti-Semitism and because of the power of the Jewish establishment uh, and its inability to see that what we have done and what we are doing to the Palestinian people is wrong. Well, we can learn a lot from it and it can be a very important teaching moment, as they say. And uh, thank you so much for being with us, Professor Mark Ellis. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We've learned a lot. And we're going to go out with a song to Angela Davis called Sweet Black Angel by the Rolling Stones. And listen to the lyrics. She keeps on pushing. Would you do the same? Thanks so much for listening. Take action. Yeah.